Isn't God good? Let's continue to praise him today. Amen.
Let's continue to worship him and honor him. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. You will always be holy. You will always be. You've always been. You always will be. Honor to your great name. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor. Gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. So what we just did this morning, if you're a guest here, if you're new here, if you've only been here a few times, is we just took some time this morning and, and just literally uh, spoke that Jesus, you are, you are above all. We gave him honor and praise that he deserves. But it's so good to see each of you here today. Thank you for worshiping. And uh, let's take a few moments and let's greet each other. God bless you as you do that today. Again, welcome to Praise Assembly. It's so good to see you hanging out with each other, talking, visiting, making lunch plans. I don't know, whatever you're doing. But as you find your seat, if you are a guest today, we would love it. I mean, we would be ecstatic if you would fill out this Connect card. If you could do that for us, and at the conclusion of our worship service, head out to the lobby on your way out, and literally just, I mean, it'll take you two seconds. Drop it off to the uh, person that's standing at our guest services table. They have a gift for you. It's a quick transaction, and then you can just be on your way to, to just do whatever you got to do today. So if you could do that as a guest, that would be wonderful. Ushers, if you could take your place this morning. How many appreciate our ushers? You know? These guys and ladies, great job. Way to take care of us every Sunday, week in and week out. We really appreciate you. And let's pray a blessing over this morning's offering as we dedicate it to God. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege and the honor to worship you in one of the most tangible ways possible, to literally give you a portion of what all belongs to you. Lord, we do this as an act of worship. We do this with joy in our hearts and gratefulness for all that you are and all that you're done, you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
love song endings. I do. I've always loved song endings. Boom. It's oh, fantastic. Hey, we've got some announcements today. And if you want to take all your bulletin and look along with me, that's fine. Uh, we have this Saturday, this Saturday is our women's ministry, Breakfast and Fellowship. But it's not just a breakfast and fellowship. <clears throat> You'll actually, if you want to, this, this coming Saturday, you can walk away learning how to make a blueberry pie, which no one cares about is my favorite pie, one of my favorite pies, okay? But blueberry pie, you'll, le you'll learn how to do that. You'll be with great ladies. You'll have an opportunity to hang out and really enjoy some uh, good food and good fellowship and do something that may, you may actually really enjoy. So if you've been always wanting to learn how to make a blueberry pie, this is your Sunday. Uh, this is your Saturday coming up. Uh, also, we have the following week, we have our men's breakfast. And there's actually going to be an announcement about that in just a little bit. But uh, that's going to be the 16th at 8 a.m. Be sure to be there. It's always a great time, always an incredible time. We're making pumpkin pies. That's because we got we got to outdo the ladies, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to Costco and buying their pie. That's what we're doing. You can learn how to make a pumpkin pie all you want, Pastor. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's coming up uh, the following Saturday, and then um, uh, the 29th, uh, Friday night, the 29th is a fifth is a fifth Friday, one of the months of the year that we have a fifth Friday, and we're actually going to do we did it a, 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 a couple years ago actually a family fun night. So it, what it's going to do, it's going to start at 6 and go to 9 p.m. There's going to be, I don't care if your kids are small or if your kids are like, if you have grandkids, this is a night you can come out. We're going to be in the parking lot. There's going to be fire pits there. There's going to be nine square. There's going to be uh, pickleball. Dwight, Dwight is the pickleball master. Um, we're going to have <clears throat> pickleball there. We're going to have cornhole. We're going to have some food. It's going to be a fun, fun night for the whole family, okay? So that's going to be Friday the 29th. Make sure you come out to that. Uh, but the most important announcement, the most important announcement I have this morning is this. Two weeks from today is our church picnic. Two weeks from today. Everybody say two weeks. Not three weeks, two weeks from today. Let me just read you some of the things we're going to do. Uh, or, or some of the important things. We're going to have pony rides for kids, okay? Make that clear. Pony rides, face painting, inflatables, games, fishing. Uh, we, put, we, put some, um, we put some giant fish in there the other day. I don't know. It's just going to be amazing. Uh, uh, fishing, hay rides, uh, ice cream truck. I mean, really, who, whoever has an ice cream truck just go up there, just get in line, and then eat your ice cream and get in line again. It doesn't matter. Um, we will provide all the grilled meats. Are we doing ribeyes this year? Or we're, just, we're grinding up the ribeyes into hamburgers. So there are going to be hamburgers and hot dogs and chicken. It's going to be great stuff. All the, we will provide the meats and the beverages. But this is the important part. Um, if you're a family, you need to bring a casserole and a dessert to share. If you're a single person, just bring one of the two. You want to bring a dessert, great. You want to bring a casserole, that's fine. But that's two weeks from today, the 17th, 
It'll be a blast. It's following our morning worship service. So it's like a, a little gap. We go out there and get some things set up, you know, time to hang out. Maybe if you live close, you go home, grab your thing, come right back. But it's not later in the day. It's right after our service. So uh, come on out to that. But the, one of the most important things, too, is that you bring someone. Bring someone that day. Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you have a neighbor. Maybe you have a relative. Maybe you have a person that you work with that you've been thinking, God, I would love an opportunity to invite them to church. And I just, I haven't found the opportunity or just hasn't, you know, stuck out. This is your opportunity to have them come, have some great food, hang out, meet some of your friends here, see uh, where this building is at and who meets here. That would be just an awesome opportunity to be able to do that. So again, two weeks from today, it's actually Back to Church Sunday. It's our church uh, picnic and uh, we're going to watch a video, and after the video, Pastor has a couple of announcements. God bless you guys this morning. Let's use this as an opportunity to invite somebody who, hey, maybe they've drifted away from the Lord. Maybe it's just a neighbor you've been working on for a while. Um, Just invite them. Now, invite them to the after-church activities, and you can invite them to church as well. If they don't come to church, that's fine. Just a nice, casual time for interaction. And in a moment, what I want us to do is pray for the weather that day. We've had 37 years of great weather. Um, I don't even feel like we need to pray, but I am going, I want you to join me in a moment, asking God to give us great weather again this year. And uh, also he mentioned, Pastor Hans mentioned some of the events that day. One was the ice cream truck. And just, if you want to, you can do what I did last year. I had a hot dog, just a hot dog. And then I got in line at the ice cream truck. It's really that simple. I don't need a hamburger. I don't need a piece of chicken. I just need the ice cream. But you have to eat something normal before that. So, um, yeah, take advantage of the ice cream truck. And, you know, this year, too, I thought about switching it up and getting a Hawaiian shave ice truck. What do you think? Oh, man, I'm glad I made the right decision. I really did. They're really, they're decorated really cool. And Hawaiian shave ice is not slushy. It's really unique. It's got a lot of flavor. It's really good. But, you know, we, and Pastor Brand and I, we went back and forth with this, and I, I knew there'd be a mutiny if I soft serve. You can't beat soft serve. And, of course, they got all the, the frozen treats, too. They have other, keep that in mind. I mean, you can get a popsicle, you can get a rocket, you can get all the stuff. And they do Sundays as well, just getting you prepped two weeks from today. 
um, Sundays, but no milkshakes because they take too long, apparently. And that line gets long. So anyways, with that, let's just pray together for great weather. God, we just thank you for the history of Praise Assembly. You brought it into being. You planted us here for a purpose. God, we've tried our best to be faithful and obedient to that purpose. And I thank you that in just two weeks, we get to celebrate another anniversary. Lord, you have done great things through us, and I know that you have more for us to do. And I pray that that morning be a time of remembrance. But Lord, I pray too that you just bless us, God, as we fellowship outdoors. God, I pray the weather be just gorgeous. Lord, we just put into your hands. We ask for your favor. We ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And keep that in prayer, if you would. Keep it. Keep the weather in prayer. Uh, as you heard, you know, men's breakfast is coming and mentioned pumpkin pies. You don't have to really bake a pumpkin pie, as Pastor Hans mentioned. You go to Costco. It's $5.99, feeds a family of 30. And though I've never made a pumpkin pie, I have made a pumpkin pie disappear. So anyways, we've got men's breakfast coming up. And we have a changing of the guard. And so I'm going to ask for Ralph Thomas to come on up. He's got some presentations to make. Um, some of the old guys, you can see Ralph, you know, he looks old. <laughs> and, and it's funny, for the last 10 years, he's been like, you know, we need to get the young guys involved. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to retire. And, he keep, and then he keeps coming back. Why worry about it? We've got some great help in the kitchens, great chefs. Come over here and take center. Well, that's fine, too. They can see you better here. But we appreciate all that you and your team have done. And he really wants to get a new team in place. And so, um, you know, we used to have uh, Ray Adlesic and Ed Powell. And Ed used to work at the Hotel DuPont as a chef. Yeah, there was a little bit of a disparity in height, wasn't there? But they worked. What a team. Two-man team were crazy, and of course, they had all kinds of help. And then Ralph came along, and that was Men's Breakfast 2.0. And now I heard there's going to be Men's Breakfast 3.0. Put a little pressure on the new guys. So, Ralph, I'm going to let you take it, okay? And I'll stand here. Thank you. As he said, there was a little disparity in the height of Ray Alessic and Ed Powell. Ed was like five foot, and I believe... Ray was somewhere around 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, uh, short story was, I came here in January of 03, got involved in February of 03, and the following fall, pastor called me in the office. I know you've been working with Ed and, and the, Ray. They're retiring. You're in charge. That was it. I said, what can I do? He said, do whatever you want. There's been a couple times that our team was called on the carpet and said, hey, let's reduce the number of meats. Okay, we eliminated spam for a while. <laughs> for, a while. for a while. But anyhow, I'd like to call Jake Plummer. He's the new man in charge. Whoa. Put you on the spot. Yeah. Here's some implements of, that you'll need in the, taking over. There's a spatula there, a couple mixing bowls. Oh, yeah, definitely need that for the scrambled eggs. Right now, yeah. He's put together an informal team at this point. They've been working periodically with us, and uh, my team, uh, 
I was blessed to work along with a retired Navy chef who moved on when he retired, he moved on to his home state. But uh, Felix Battle, retired Army chef, been great, supportive, and it's been great to work with him. So I hopefully don't miss anybody. Uh, Ron Alessic was part of the team, Rusty Schuller, John Falto. These guys were faithful. And I was doing this this morning because, like I said, the pastor just said, you're in charge. I want to formally turn it over. So I'm going to give you this key <laughs> to the church. <laughs> and you are now in charge. Too creative. But, no, thank you so much. And for the whole team, Felix isn't here today, I don't think. I know where he sits. I don't see him. Uh, but he's another one who's retired another time, number of times, come back. Also from Rangers, you know, he'd show up in Bible study, and then he's back up at the cabin with Rangers. So we appreciate your indecisiveness over the years. It's kept us alive. Um, but no, that's, it is a lot of meats. I mean, you shouldn't, seven meats for breakfast? That's, that's a bit much. Not to mention, you know, if you're going to, pancakes? or French toast. No, these guys do pancakes and French toast. And then biscuits, and then biscuits and gravy, and then it's like, it's really, it truly is the best buffet, breakfast buffet in the tri-state area. It's, it, and I appreciate that all the years, really, that you've served. I just wonder if you're going to stay out of the kitchen, though. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I wanted to do this here, make a lot, a lot of fun about this. Reason for I've had a lot of fun over the 20 years, really have enjoyed it, and I have been truly blessed by the people that I've worked with and fellowship with. Thank you. You've been great. Thanks again. Hey, here's your trash bag. Yep. God bless you, man. I'm telling you, it's. I hope, I hope you don't feel too much pressure. Pray for Jake and his team. Hopefully, we'll have some veterans on there too. I don't think they're all going to bail right away. But um, what a great job. We've been so blessed. I, was, I seriously was worried when Ed Powell and Ray were quitting <clears throat> years ago to retire from it. And uh, these guys stepped up, and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue. Uh, really, really great job. Hey, we have a promo for the uh, new men's study that's coming up. Let's go ahead and show that. That's two weeks. Yeah, about two weeks from now.
Yeah, it's a great time of fellowship, but the food is unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> shouldn't be the only reason you come to church, but I know that's true. Some of us, it's really, really good. Um, I don't know, I wanted, to, I wanted to ramble some more about that. Do you see all the smoked meat? and smoked salmon. And by the way, too, the ladies, you know, they've met through the summer. We take the summer off. They've had continental breakfast. That's not even a thing, really, but um, <clears throat> they're going to get back to normal meals uh, next Saturday as well, I believe. And boy, I've sampled some of their stuff. Um, last year was like ethnic things every single month. Really, really good. One morning I came in, I think I had a little breakfast at home, came in. It was the Sunday, Saturday of our Lego Derby. And Shadi Ojo had some um, <clears throat> salmon, the Asian salmon that was unbelievable. I think I ate like the equivalent of probably two or three whole salmons. I, I just had a little, I just have a little sample. It was so good. So anyways, we, we've got to, we got to move on. <clears throat> Salivating too much. <clears throat> so we're going to, we're going to continue this morning looking at things that Jesus said. We're, we're going to stay in the series for a while, I uh, began this a couple months ago, and I, we're going to try our best as a team, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Hans, and myself, to exhaust this topic. And I know we can't because the Gospels are full of everything that Jesus said, but today is just one more installment of what he said. And if you remember from the first message, I mentioned you that there are three primary themes that Jesus frequently spoke about. Number one was the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. Secondly was salvation by faith. He talked about faith and salvation. And the third thing that was right up there in the top three was the topic of hell. And I don't think we've, uh, I don't think we've hit that one yet. <laughs> we will. But until we get there, I want to talk about one that falls into a close fourth place. According to Christian stewardship experts, and that is money. We're going to talk about money today, of stewardship, handling and management of finances. And, and this is what we're going to look at. We're going to be looking at what Jesus said about money, mammon, gold, and riches. And what I hope to do today is to get each one of us to look beyond the minutia of money, because that's usually where we focus, like where that got spent and where that came in and, and all that, all the bookkeeping, the accounting type things that we have to do every day and pay bills and write checks. I want us to move beyond that and to look, take on a more macro perspective, a wide angle view, if you will, that every Christian ought to have. And that wide angle view in one word is very simple to sum up in one word, is about being generous. It's about generosity. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus said, He said, freely you have received, freely give. Isn't that simple? And you know what? I really could end the sermon right here if every one of you would promise to live by this one verse for the rest of your lives. I didn't hear one amen, so you're going to stay for the rest of the sermon. No, we really could. Freely you have received. Freely give. Folks, we've received so much from God through what Jesus has done. Amen? I mean, he has given us incredible riches. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, or in his holy people, literally. He wants us to see the riches 
of his glorious inheritance for us. And then in 1 John 3, 1, the apostle says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So please understand that we are recipients of his glorious riches and he's lavished his love upon us and, and, the, and the most wealth we could possibly have is being adopted into God's family. And then on top of that, it doesn't end there. On top of that, he has given to us his Holy Spirit and all the gifts that come with his Holy Spirit in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so God is generous with us. He's always been good to us. He's always been generous to us. And to put this into perspective, he's been so generous towards us that we have to admit today that there's absolutely no way, there's no way that we could ever pay him back. Amen? There's no way. We, we couldn't even keep track of all of his blessings that he's ever sent our way. I don't know, maybe some of you journal. I, I, I don't, I don't. I wish I had because boy, I'll tell you, I'd be filling up volumes of all the things that God has done for me. And you too. You know that he's blessed you in so many ways. And that's why I understand. That's why I understand why I should be generous. Freely I have received. No strings attached. Therefore, freely I should give. Well, I want to take a, a look at a few other ways that Jesus spoke about generosity and our, and our need to give. And, and by the way, this message is not about tithing this morning, okay? This message is about generosity. And I offer that as a preface to you this morning because for me, tithing is where you begin. Tithing, the word tithe means tenth. And in the Bible, it tells us to give one-tenth of our income to the Lord. That's the starting point for generosity. That's why I don't want to really talk about tithing. We'll bump into it. But I mean, some Christians look at 10% giving the tithe as being excessive. You know, that, that worries me about their personal finances. You know, I mean, some people just, they're, they're convinced that it's something that they're not able to do. And I sometimes hear people say, I can't afford to tithe. Other Christians look at the tithe and or, or giving the tenth and they, they feel like it's Old Testament legalism. But the truth is that giving away 10% of your income is really meant only to be a starting point. Because the fact is that a generous heart oftentimes doesn't even realize what they are giving. A generous heart doesn't keep track. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but generally you, you really don't. And Jesus actually said this in Matthew 6, 3. He said, when you give... When you give to the needy, specifically in this passage, Matthew 6, 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Can you imagine your left hand not knowing? You know, you're over here writing a check and your left hand has no, uh, totally oblivious to what's going on. And at the risk of sounding boastful, let me just tell you what my practice is. I do set aside the tithe. I calculate the 10% and then I give it to God. And then I also give over and above, as you do. You know, we just had a special offering about a month ago for, uh, for the fires in Maui. And not shortly before that, we had a special offering for, for Convoy of Hope's work in Ukraine. Okay? And so those special offerings, those missions offerings, and other opportunities that are presented here in church, I participate in those. Speed the light giving. BGMC for the kids and, and all that. And I really never know. I know I've given the tithe, but I really never know what I've given until I get my end of the year statement from our bookkeeper. And then I see it. And I'll tell you what, I'm always amazed. Again, I knew I gave the 10th, but there's all this other stuff. And I feel blessed that I was able to do that. 
So please don't think of giving, your giving, as a legalistic duty. That's my point. Being generous is not about duty. Being generous is not about legalism. It is a privilege. And it's a joy to have something to give for the sake of others who have need. And, and, and here's the thing. Do think of it too, though, as a gateway to prosperity and security in God. And the reason I say that, and this is going to sound like I'm teaching on tithing, but I want you to look with me to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is a classic Old Testament verse about tithing, yes, but it's also about generosity. And let's take a look at it. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What an incredible promise. These verses speak about being prosperous. We're told that if we give the 10th, then there'll be enough, there, there will not be enough room for you to store all the blessings that God will send to you. Clearly that speaks of prosperity. And then we also can notice protection in these verses because we're told that pests will not devour or steal from us. And our harvest will not prematurely spoil. And all the nations, all the people around us, will call us blessed. So what that tells me is that I, I need to tithe, not out of obligation, unless I want to be obligated to be blessed. And folks, I personally have been doing this from the first days of becoming a Christian. I, I'm speaking to you out of experience. All I can tell you is it works. If you've never done it, you've got to try it. God's word is forever true. He says, if I do this, then he's going to prevent the pest from devouring. I'm not going to lose my harvest. And so if you're, not, if you're not tithing, try it. In fact, that's exactly where this began in the very first verse. He said, test me in this. God says, test me. And I don't think there's anything else in scripture where he says that. But he says, test me in this. Try it and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven. Well, back to the New Testament. I want us to look at how Jesus speaks about this issue in another passage. Luke 6.38. Look at this. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus in this verse is recommending generosity again. Give and it will be given to you. It'll be given back to you. Now notice here, you have to give first. He says, you give and then I'll give back. And notice also that the amount that will come our way is predicated upon the amount of our generosity. It's the same measure. We're going to receive in measure what we have measured out. And that one statement, I don't think, could be more simple. I mean, now, you know, you have to have faith to do it, but it definitely works. And I'll tell you, at this point in my Christian walk, this is no longer an issue of faith. I don't have to have any faith to do this. For me, it's a habit. The tithe for me is automatic. The extra that I give during the year, that's a joy. 
And as we've already discovered in the series, Jesus often taught and he often spoke using agricultural terms. And I think that's where sometimes we lose a little something when we look at the word because, you know, I don't think, I don't know if we, I don't know if we have any farmers here at all. But he oftentimes used agriculture as an example to teach a spiritual truth. And I want to do this as well this morning concerning generosity. So think about this. Think about what we just read in Luke. And here's how it plays out in our life. Okay, if a farmer plants one acre of seed corn, he is going to reap a harvest equivalent to one acre of mature corn. Does that make sense? If you plant one acre of land, you're going to reap the corn that will grow on the one acre of land. If he sows 10 acres, then he's going to reap 10 times as much. Does that make sense? I mean, it's really simple. And so what that means is that the limit to what the farmer will harvest is based upon what he has sown. And the very same thing is true for us. And of course, Scripture teaches us a myriad of times that planting and sowing is connected to reaping and harvesting. You can't reap what you haven't sown. And you will reap in the same measure as you have sown. There is a law of sowing and reaping beyond tithing, beyond Malachi chapter 3. So you determine, you determine your harvest based upon what you've sown. You determine your harvest based upon your generosity, how much you planted. And if you haven't been generous, I mean, again, he said, give and it'll be given to you. In the same measure, it'll be given to you that you have given. In the same measure. That's God's word. God said that. Now, I'm not trying to present this as a get-rich-quick scheme. That would, that, would, that would just, it would be wrong. It would be all too wrong. But I do believe that tithing, according to Malachi chapter 3, works. I'm not discounting the Old Testament. I'm not discounting the, 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 the rules concerning tithing. But I also believe that Scripture teaches us that there is a spiritual law of sowing and reaping, and it will impact our lives. God really does want to bless us. I believe that. He is a good, good father. He wants to bless us. You know, I mean, it was, you know, in the Gospels too, you know, Jesus said, you know, you earthly fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts. How much more your heavenly father. My father in heaven wants to bless me. And if I open this door of sowing and reaping, then it's going, it's going, it's going to happen. One sure way to open to the floodgates of heaven. Probably, and you know what too, why? I look at this, I mean, he, he knows who he can trust. And if we give first, that's the part of giving first. If he knows that we can release possessions from our heart, he has no problem refilling them. If he thinks we want to just waste it on ourselves, and that's, that's in the epistle of James, you have not because you ask not. When you ask, you ask amiss. So he's not, he's not going to bless that. He needs to see a generosity come out of us that he can reward. I love Psalm 37, verse 25. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. That is so true. That is so true. We can never outgive God. We can never outgive him. And our generosity never goes unnoticed by him. Give and it shall be given. 
Here's another passage that Jesus said. Listen to this. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And obviously, that's great, device, uh, great, great advice. I mean, Jesus mentions it, but I do want to add some context and some perspective to this passage because Jesus, please understand, Jesus is not telling us not to save. He's not telling us not to put something away. He's not advising us that we shouldn't put something away for, for our future. Put away for future events, for opportunities to save up for things. And I'll show you this in another passage in just a few minutes. He's not saying that. He's not saying that, we, that we're to give everything away. He's not telling us to not save for retirement years, future needs. But rather, he's telling us that we shouldn't live with a divided heart. That's the issue. And you see, money has a purpose. It has a purpose. I mean, it keeps us sheltered from the elements, right? It keeps a, a roof over our head. It keeps us from going hungry. It can provide for an education, for transportation, for a vacation. But it's not meant to be our master. We're supposed to use material things. Money's a tool. It's a vehicle. It's not to be worshipped. Material things are meant to serve us, not the other way around. And so if we live only for wealth, you know what? Someday we're going to be disappointed. If that's our goal, simply to amass wealth. And I want, I want you to see how Jesus addressed this. This is in Luke 12, 14. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Remember that old phrase? He who dies with the most toys wins. And then I saw there was, a, there was a retort. There was a bumper sticker. Does anybody put bumper stickers in their cars anymore? Just, that phrase got changed. <clears throat> he who dies with the most toys still dies. You don't win. You don't win dying with... And you're going to see it right here. Jesus addresses it. And it says in verse 16, And he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I'm going to store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? And Jesus closes, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Yikes. Again, that's, that passage speaks powerfully, once again, that we need to consider perspective. And here's the perspective. Are we putting our faith and security in money? Are we trusting in wealth or are we trusting God and living for him? It's, it's all about that divided heart that we read in Matthew. See, there's an old axiom I used to hear a lot many years ago, and it went something like this. If I'll be concerned about God's business, he'll take care of mine. 
I've lived that. I believe it. If I'm concerned about his business, he'll take care of mine. And I really believe that if I'm concerned about the things of God, the things that he's concerned for, then he'll take care of everything else in my life. It's almost like that passage in Matthew. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added. Everything else will be taken care of in your life. Focus on what he is concerned with, and he'll take care of everything else. I know we don't want to think about this, but I want to bring it to reality. Please understand, if you put your trust in wealth, and you arrive at the point of this rich man in Jesus' parable, and you just, oh, I'm in such good shape financially. Financial, I feel financially secure. Please understand, there's no such thing as financial security. I shared this with our young adults in Life Group just last week. There is no such thing as financial security. How many, you know Dave Ramsey? How many of you know Dave Ramsey? Okay. Do you know his class is called Financial Peace University? It's not called Financial Security University. It's called Financial Peace. How to be at peace with it all. Because you will never be secure. Anything can happen in your life. A lifetime savings can be wiped out overnight. You hear horror stories. Maybe you don't know anybody too close to you, but it, it does happen. I mean, a severe illness can wipe out a lifetime of savings. And I want you to know something. Your own government can take it all away. It happened in our nation years ago. I'm not good at math, but around 1930, 1929, my father had money in the bank. And the government took it. And you know, from then on, whenever he saved money, he bought a safe and he put all his cash in it. And I thought if the house ever burned down, he did not trust the banks. He did not trust. He would never put his money in a bank again after that. Can you imagine 1929. And you know what happened more, most recently, about seven years ago? It happened in Greece. In 2016, the nation of Greece listen to me carefully, seized half a million bank accounts. They took people's money in order to pay their national debt. People lost their life savings. Are you, how many of you are aware of that? Do you remember? It sounds like ancient history. It's only been seven years. And I'll give, you a, I'll give you my bibliography on that too if you don't think it happened. So what Jesus is telling us when he speaks about money is that we should be investing heavily in heaven instead of just focusing on this life. We do have to plan for certain events in our life. Everything, but, but everything in this life is fleeting. It's fragile. It's temporary. What we store in heaven is eternal and it's therefore secure. But, you, but don't, I don't want you to lose any sleep over this, okay? I'm going to try to end this on a happier note, okay? It was, but I, let, me, let me just go on to another passage. Let's get back to the word because that's edifying. There is a comparison that Jesus makes on a regular basis between earth and heaven. Heaven's way better, amen? Way better. You know, even the description of Revelation, I mean, streets that are, you know, just pure gold and all, it's all, all that sounds wonderful. And we can't even figure out what that really looks like, but we just know it's going to be better. There's no sorrow, there's no tears, there's no pain, there's no death, there's no sin. I mean, doesn't that, that's already 
many notches up from where we are right now. But listen to this. Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus says, and again, this was his number one theme. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy, and in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything that he had so he could buy that one pearl. And I really love this message here in these verses. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like. And what Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like the most valuable thing that exists. That's truth. And he gives us two examples of two people who sold everything they own. Both of these men literally sold every other possession in their life in order to buy that one thing. They sold everything. They got rid of it. Nothing mattered. I mean, well, we saw an exchange of some cooking things. I mean, they, they took their wife's frying pans and they, and they took their bedding and they took, took everything he had and sold it. And by the way, I just want to back up. The first man who, he was crossing through that field. He found the treasure out there buried in the field. He, you know, he, he could have just taken the treasure and gone home. That'd be stealing though, wouldn't it? This is a righteous man. He said, no, I won't tell. Whoever owns this field, I'm not going to tell him what I found. But he buys the field. He sells everything to buy the field to get that one treasure. Legally. Rightfully. Both of these men sold everything. Can you imagine selling, maybe, maybe the one man was a pearl merchant or maybe he dealt with gems and jewels and, you know, certainly the pearls he had had some value, but he sells them all for this one pearl of great price to buy one thing. And then John chapter 3 tells us that God sent his son into this world to buy us. He gave his greatest gift. God gave his greatest gift so that you and I could be saved. We can be born again, redeemed, so that we can live with God in heaven forever. And all that circles right back to the verse I began with today in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, freely give. When we are generous, we're most like God. Really, when we give freely, we're most like God. When we're generous, we open the floodgates of God's blessing in our lives. When we're generous, we're protected from pests and material loss. When we're generous, we prove that our trust is not in wealth, but it's in him alone. Amen. When we're generous, we acknowledge that we're wealthy beyond material things. I got to be honest with you guys. I love investing in Convoy of Hope. I love building Bible colleges around the world. I love investing in global university and creating training materials in native languages for people all across this globe. That's, that excites me. And even to just give the tithe here in this local church, knowing that we're having an impact in our community. I want to encourage you to practice generosity. Take the initiative and give. You know, give and it will be given to you. And don't just do it to get back. But you know what? Do it. Do it to display some family resemblance. To look a little bit like God. To, to be conformed into the image of his son. That's his goal for us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. Giving, giving is in the very nature and character of God. And being a Christian, I should do the same. Just give. Just be generous. Again, reading that verse out of Luke chapter 6. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Yet running over. And pouring into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for these things that you said, that Jesus said, that we ought to give. By nature, we ought to be givers. And Lord, I thank you for the blessing that you have added to the action of giving. Lord, that we can never pay you back. We can never outgive what you've done for us. But God, I thank you that we can, oh Lord, we can try to imitate you in this. That we can try to be generous. And Lord, I pray God that each one of us would feel challenged today. And Lord, that we do something about it. God, that we would be more free in giving to you. To really worship you from our hearts. Because wherever our treasure is, our heart will be also. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This time, Pastor Hans is going to come and lead us in communion this morning. Isn't it clear how the kingdom of God is, is different than the kingdom of this world? We talked about, Pastor talked about generosity today. And uh, it's different than the attitude, the mentality of, of, of uh, the world throughout history. And on the, uh, if you look into the book of Luke for the account of the Last Supper, one of the things that kind of on the heels of that is this, is there breaks out an argument about who's the greatest. And once again, the kingdom of God is different on who the greatest is. And this is what Jesus says following this little argument, this little <laughs> dispute. He says, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as the one who serves. You know, this time of communion where we, we remember the death and the resurrection of Christ, his shed blood, his broken body, is a time to uh, realign our thinking about the kingdom of this world compared to the kingdom of God. And for us, we need to be reminded constantly that the greatest, the, the, the greatest among us is the servant of all. And I love this. Jesus never says, don't you dare try to be great. Who do you think you are? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think you are trying to be great? He tells us how to do it. And this time, this moment reminds us with Jesus as the supreme example of what greatness is all about. Greatness is about being the servant of everyone. 
And we get to remember that today. So could we do this as you have the communion elements in your hand? If you're able, could you stand to your feet? We're going to take this together today. As we hold the, the bread in our hand, just hold it up next to you, just in your hand like I'm doing here. And let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we remember your death. We remember your broken body, that you not only said things like the, the greatest among you will be servant of all, you displayed it to us. You gave yourself over to be beaten and your body broken so that we could have life. Lord, you gave your life. Again, no one took your life. You gave it. You truly are and always will be the greatest servant ever. And as we receive this together, Lord, we recognize your greatness. We recognize your sacrifice and your brokenness today. And we receive it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive together. And Lord, we hold this cup in our hand, representing the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Again, you displayed how the kingdom works, how you work. And you gave yourself, you allowed your blood to be shed so that there would not need to be any further sacrifice. You were the supreme sacrifice for the sins of humanity in the past and in the future. And God, you were an example to us. And Lord, I thank you uh, that as you gave yourself and you allowed your blood to be shed for us, that, God, we get to reap the, the incredible benefit. Lord, not only for ourselves, but for people that we get to share the good news of Jesus with. And we recognize your sacrifice today of your shed blood. And we say thank you and we honor your great name today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's receive together. Let's just take a moment. Just worship him. Just where you're at in your seat, just begin to worship him. Begin to honor him. Lord, thank you that your kingdom is different. Thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you that we get to bring it wherever we go. Thank you for the life that you bring through your blood and your broken body. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for all that you've done all that you continue to do. We recognize your greatness today, your power, your might, and we worship you. We worship you today. Lord, we just heard your word, and your word says clearly, you talked about as freely as you've received, freely give. Lord, we just heard your word again that, that the world may act like this, but if you want to be great, you need to be the servant of all. Lord, what powerful truths Lord, I pray a blessing on your people today, from the youngest in this room to the very oldest. God, help us to live the way your kingdom is. Help us to put aside, ignore, push back, push under uh, all, the, all the attitudes that want to creep into our lives, that want to be stingy, that want to get everything, but we want to be stingy toward others and toward you. Lord, everything that pushes on us, God, to, to be that way. Lord, we want to be different in this world. Help us to do that with the people around us. Lord, you've forgiven us enormously. Help us to be forgiving toward other people. 
God, you have given, uh, lavished on our lives incredible things. God, help us to just be free with possessions, with forgiveness, with time. Lord, give us the power to do these things that we might be a light in this world for you. And Lord, we thank you and we, we, we pray a blessing on your people today. God, let us go out in power with light in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great, great week.